Good evening. Thank you so much, everyone, for coming. And welcome to a very special platforms event, our second public shear. And we have the privilege of hearing from Rabbi Shlomo Sprama and Shruis. And I wanted to say a few words before a little bit about platforms. So, platforms started about four years ago, and it was started as a space uh, for guys after four weeks of learning to engage in serious Torah conversation. And slowly that developed and evolved. And this year, along with my good friend Jackie Zwag and my brother Asaf, Platforms has become a podcast. And on top of our Thursday night events, we have mini shirim, we have conversations, different live events, and it's really, it's really incredible. Now, what's the goal of platforms? What are we trying to achieve? So we came to the realization that we are so, so fortunate to have been able to experience the beauty of Torah. And we all know that experience, and it's very apropos that we're speaking about this before Shavuot, but we all know that experience, that when Torah is presented to us in an appropriate context, we're filled with this love and joy and happiness and excitement for Torah. And that's what Platforms tries to do. It tries to facilitate people with, provide them with an appropriate context with which they could also have that experience, that experience of the beauty of Torah. With that said, I'd like to thank our hosts for tonight, uh, Rabbi Yitzhi Zweig, our hosts for throughout all the years who opened up their homes to us to allow us to late at night to have these events. I wanted to thank Rabbi Shlomo Sprung, who has been with us since the beginning and invests so much time and effort into, our, into us. I wanted to thank all our speakers throughout all the years who took out from their busy schedules to share with us. I also wanted to thank our sponsors who sponsor us, sponsor, sponsor all our events. Platforms is run by the guys and for the guys, which means that we're not part of any institution. We rely solely on incredible people who identify with the values of platforms and choose to support it. Also, like to take this time to give a big thank you for the platform's crew, Jackie Zweig and my brother Asaf, who uh, juggle incredibly stressful schedules in order to make these type of events possible. Now, you guys can uh, find us on Facebook, uh, find us on Spotify, iTunes, and connect to all the incredible things we do. So, without further ado, I was wrong. My favorite part of the platform slash TNLC, whatever else you want to call it, um, is, is the FUBU nature of it. The whole for us, by us. The initiative, um, I think one of the things that sometimes doesn't get as pushed in yeshivas as much as it does here, the, the idea that, that young guys from yeshiva actually take initiative outside of the page. And to make something happen for the community, for other people, it's, it's beautiful. So, yeah, well done, man. Mm. So, Shavuos is a curious holiday. We just read on Shabbos, Parshas Bechukosai. Why did we read Parshas Bechukosai? Well, because that's how the calendar works. But the calendar is not random. It's, it's very, very designed. 
And the Gemara says that Ezra was Misakim. Ezra established, you're talking a long time ago, the beginning of the Second Commonwealth of the State of Israel, thousands of years ago. He established that we would read the Brachos and Klolos before Rosh Hashanah and before Shavuos. Why? Why? Why should we read? So again, we do Bechukosa and Vayikra before Shavuos, and then we do Kisavo uh, before Rosh Hashanah. Why? Well, Gemara says, because Tichle Shana Vakilosa, Tachil Shana Vichosa. Let it be done, let it be finished, ended the year with its curses, and let the year and its blessings begin. Marvelous. We're not even going to go into what that means, because then we'd be here until next Tuesday. But the easy question, the obvious question, is that uh, Shavuos is not the beginning of the year. Right? Like, it's not. In fact, it's such a good question that the Gemara asked that question. The Gemara's like, excuse me! Um, no, no. Rosh Hashanah, I get it, that's cool. That's what you would expect at New Year's. Get rid of the bad, in with the new, I'm going to the gym, I'm stopping smoking, whatever it is. I get it. But Shavuos is like, <laughs> it's now. <laughs> You're like, it's not the Kodesh Um So the Gemara asks the question. The Gemara says, no, 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 no. Shavuos is also Rosh Hashanah. Atzeres, Atzeres, which is a whole other thing. Why are we calling Shavuos Atzeres? But that's again for a different day. Um, Shavuos is also Rosh Hashanah. Why? Why would Shavuos be Rosh Hashanah? Because the Mishnah says in Rosh Hashanah, that on Shavuos, we're nidon al peros ha'ilan. We are judged on the fruit of the tree. And therefore, Shavuos is also Rosh Hashanah. Because it's Rosh Hashanah for the fruit of the tree. Oh. Okay. So we're going to read, we're going to read Bechukosai before Shavuos. Because it's also Rosh Hashanah. Because there really are two Rosh Hashanahs in the year. There's actual Rosh Hashanah. And there's Rosh Hashanah for the fruit of the tree. Um, wink, wink. And therefore, we'll read it then too. Which is, this is a great bait and switch. It's fantastic. It will work on anyone who has not learned Mishnayis Rosh Hashanah. It will work on it. That's 99.9% of humanity. This will work on nearly everybody you'll ever meet. But if they happen to stumble across a Mishnayis Rosh Hashanah and they open it up, you know what they're going to see? There's this Rosh Hashanah, that Rosh Hashanah, that Rosh Hashanah. Oh, well, so maybe we should do it in Nisan because Rosh Hashanah Malachim. Maybe we should do it on, in either Rosh Hashanah Shvat or Tu Bishvat because Rosh Hashanah Ilanos. By the way, why would there be a difference between Perosa Ilan and Ilan Osido? That's very odd. I think you'll admit to me that's very, very odd. Why don't we do it on, on, on Sukkot? Because we're needed on Al Al Hamayim. So you randomly cherry picked the one that was convenient for you because Ezra happened to, for some reason, click Control V a second time. Come on, man. Why'd you pick this one? Why'd you pick this one of like the seven Rosh Hashanahs? Very odd. Now, that sounds like a good question, but but no one asks it. So that's terrifying because when you read the Gemara and like you read through some Rishonim, mean, and granted, I don't, I don't read through all of them. I mean, it's nothing near an exhaustive list. But if no one asks the question, then you start thinking to yourself, I must be a moron because it's not even a question. But it sounds like a question, right? It really sounds like a question. Okay, well, we mentioned that that Shavuos is the Rosh Hashanah for Peros Ha'ilan. Why? Why? I get Shvat, right? Shvat is Rosh Hashanah for Ilanos, because like that's when they blossom. So that would be a logical, or at least an intuitive time, to call the Rosh Hashanah for Ilanos. What happens on Shavuos that you get all of it? Is this when you get the first Peros Ha'ilan? I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not a horticulturist. Um, I found. I found someone asked the question, and it was a cabalistic someone. And you know what they wrote? They wrote because we bring the shnei alechem, we bring the carbon shnei alechem on Shavuos, 
which is made from wheat, and wheat, wheat's a tree, right? Said no one who's ever seen wheat. Um, well, I'm not saying it's not a tree. I'm just saying it's not, you don't see wheat and think a tree. But 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 there's a manda Omar. Someone says in the Gemara that the Eitzadas Tovera, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, was wheat. Oh, now it makes perfect sense. Because someone says that the Eitzadas was wheat, and you bring a carbon that's made out of wheat on Shavuos, and therefore you're Nidon Alperos Elon, And therefore it's a Rosh Hashanah, and therefore you should read the Klolos before it. Yeah, I don't know what to do with that. That's hard to make any sense of that, man. It's like really hard. Okay. Put that on the shelf. Ah, you're going to be here for a long time. <laughs> Shavuos is also a singular holiday because the arguments between the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the Tzidukim and the Prussian, we descend from the Prussian. Rabbinic, we call it Rabbinic Judaism. I don't call it Rabbinic Judaism. I call it Judaism. But most people call it Rabbinic Judaism. Um, the Sadducees, however, were a very powerful force for a long time in the Second Temple, uh, in the Second Temple period, and they argued bitterly. These groups argued bitterly, but the the quintessential machlokas pertains to Shulas. That may be lost upon people. It actually pertains to Shulas. Why? Well, because right now we find ourselves in the period of Sfirus Omer, which counts up to Shulas, and it says in the pasuk that you're going to bring the Karban HaOmer, you're going to bring this sacrifice. Um, on the morrow of the Shabbat, the morrow of the Sabbath. Now, usually, morrow of Shabbat is what we like to call Sunday, or what the Torah would call Yom Rishon. So the Tzidukim, the Sadducees, were like, oh, you bring this korban on Sunday. And then the rabbis were like, no, 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 Shabbos really means Yom Tov of Pesach. So you bring the korban Omer on the second day of Pesach. Shabbos. Cool. Now, we all know who won the argument, right? Because we're here and they're, and they're not. So we won by default. But if you read the words, you got to admit it sounds like they have a point. Because right? it's like, Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like Sunday to me. Sounds like Sunday to me. But then, of course, you don't do just the cursory reading, but you read it again, and you realize that the Parsha of the Moedim actually begins with Shabbos and uses Shabbos and Moed interchangeably. So all of a sudden, you think that the Tzidukim don't know how to read. Okay, okay, so Nebuchadnezzar, they don't know how to read, and that's why they died. But isn't it strange, isn't it strange that you talk about, you talk about the Omer, not from the 16th day of Nisan, but you call it Mimachrasa Shabbos. You know what God could have done to make it much easier and have less Mach with the Jews? Because Lord knows we don't have enough things to fight about. He could have just said, on the 16th day of Nisan, you bring the carbon Omer. Would have saved us a lot of strife. Just say what you mean. And it's not like that wouldn't be consistent, because if you read through Parshas Emor, right, so it's, well, um, on the 14th day of the month is Pesach. And on the 15th day is Chag HaMatzos, seven days. You'll notice the trend. The trend is, is easy to find. It tells you what date the holiday is on. And then it continues. Uh, by Rosh Hashanah also, it says, And then the 10th day also, etc., etc. It's what you would expect. You have to know what the date of the holiday is. But here, it sees fit not to do that. We want to mix you up. And instead of saying, 
Instead of saying on the 16th day, we're going to call you Makarasa Shabbos. So I know what you're thinking. You're going to tell me, yes, from, but you already know that you're dealing with the 15th day of Nisan. So you don't have to say the 16th day, you just say the next day. The problem is, if you would read it, that doesn't make any sense at all, because after it finishes the section that talks about Pesach, it stops. You have a Pesucha. And it starts talking to you about agriculture. When you come to the land, it hasn't yet told you what that you're talking about. So it's not as if it's in the middle of discussing Pesach when it starts talking to you about the Omer. It's not. There was a large break in the Torah before it started discussing this. And then it says, when, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do this? Well, well, the day after the Shabbos. So again, it's very confusing. Just say what you mean, man. Every no Shavuos doesn't have a date. It's the only holiday that doesn't have a date. That and Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving doesn't have a date. Why doesn't have a date? Mamish has no date. In fact, it so doesn't have a date, it also doesn't really have a name. It's the holiday of the weeks. That's not the day. You call it Chag HaShavuot. It's the holiday of the weeks. It's not even a day. Like, it's so funny. It sounds... We'll start with that. We'll see where... Let's answer answer those. Yeah. We'll start with those. By the way, um, just because it's taping doesn't mean that it shouldn't be interactive. So if you have any ideas or thoughts or uh, points of clarification, I'm very, very happy to stop in the middle and to address them. And the people who aren't here, it's their problem. Okay. Have you ever heard people say... Have you ever heard people say that Shavuos is like an extension of Pesach? People say that. People say that. Maybe we call it Atzeres. Even the Torah doesn't call it Atzeres anywhere. But the Torah does call the end of Sukkos Atzeres. And Chazal are like, oh, it's like the same thing. You have Sukkos, and it's called Hamoed, and then you have this Atzeres. So here, too, you have like a really long Hamoed and then an Atzeres. Okay, now I'm not going to argue with Chazal, far be it for me, because I'll get stoned and defenestrated, but, but, do you experience anything on Shavuos that is remotely Pesach-like? Like, if some guy comes into the base manager at 3 o'clock in the morning on Shavuos and hands you a piece of matzah, are you going to be like, I totally know what you mean! Or are you going to be like, get that out of my face! B. B. What, what kind of experience, again, I'm not saying madrashly, kabbalistically, spiritually, whatever, fine. But experientially, do you experience any sliver of Pesach on Shavuos? No! <laughs> so, like, what do you mean? <sighs> so it turns out that we don't really understand the Jewish holidays properly at all. I want to talk to you briefly about what the holidays are and, and why they're in this order. Fascinating order. Everything about the order, right? You have Pesach and then Shavuos and Sukkot. You're like, well, that's the way it happened. Wrong. It didn't happen that way. So let's talk about why. Well, Pesach, it all starts there, so we might as well. On Pesach, God freed us from servitude, from bondage in Egypt. We were slaves in Egypt. And Avadim Hayinu and Hashem took us out, and now we have beautiful songs for kindergartens forever. And that's true. I'm not saying that's not true. But it's not, it's not, it's not the ultimate truth. It's the very, very basic level of truth. 
Here's what I mean. Slavery in Egypt is only a physical manifestation, a really stark physical manifestation of what slavery is. We know this now. Like, everybody knows this now, but it wasn't so obvious back then. Slavery is in the brain. That's where slavery is. Slavery is in your mind. So when we talk about Hashem releasing us from slavery, what does that actually mean? How are you less a slave in the mind after you've experienced Pesach? I granted you get your own liberty because God took you out of bondage, but where's the slavery in the mind? So let's take, let's go off a crazy tangent right now. Let's go on a branch and just follow me. Whatever the five most dear to your heart political ideas that you happen to have, whatever they are, the most basic, the most fundamental, the most foundational ones you feel strongest about, whether it's your stance on terrorism, your stance on abortion, your stance on immigration, your stance on public health care, your stance on taxation, war, greenhouse emissions, whatever your big five happen to be, things that you are convinced, things that you are convinced if anyone in the world disagrees with you on this stance, they're either evil or stupid or both. If anyone disagrees with my stance, they are dumb and bad. We all know that. We all know that. If you disagree with me on abortion, it's because you're evil. And if you disagree with me on terrorism, it's because you're evil. And if you disagree with me on taxation, it's because you're evil. Cool. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. But isn't that interesting? Everybody knows that regardless of what their stance happens to be. Because whichever one you fall out on, the other guy is evil and stupid. Well, don't you also know, is it not patently clear to you that regardless, regardless of how you feel about anything, and I mean, if only the things you feel really, really strongly about, like you'll go to war for, not the things that you don't get chocolate or vanilla, nobody cares, the things that you would march for, you know in your brain that most of the world disagrees with you. You know that. You know that people you would run into ordinarily in a bus station or an airport or Aventura Mall or a coffee shop, anyone who you're going to run into that you would otherwise think is a lovely human being, if you would immediately ask them, before you ask them, hey, where are you from? What's it going? You know, what, what kind of sports do you like in this country? You say, how do you feel about immigration? Right? You would otherwise have thought they were a lovely person, but then you hear their views and you're like, they're terrible. I, I, I was duped by this Nazi. Who sat next to me in Starbucks? I know people are thinking, you shouldn't go to Starbucks. <laughs> Fine. So what does that tell you, man? What does that tell you? You know, you know that most of the world disagrees with you. And that's just now. That's not adding the added dimension. The fourth dimension. What's the fourth dimension? Time. How many people are going to argue with you or agree with you in a hundred years? Mm, nobody. I go with nobody. How many people do you agree with a hundred years ago? Nobody. Right? So today you know that most of the world disagree with you. In a hundred years you know that for sure. But you'll be dead. So you don't care. But you know it's true. And then you feel very, very strongly. Why? It's simple. It's simple. Because your world... It's not the world. You know, so your world is the way that you see the world based upon your chemistry, proclivities, socioeconomic circumstances, time of birth, friends, and what you see on YouTube. 
That's how you see the world. That's not the world. That's not the world. You don't see anything for what it is. Nothing. That's not bad. That's just obvious. That's just obvious. You don't understand what anything actually is. You just know how you feel about it. And yet you think that other people are evil and stupid. Why? I like to call it slavery. It's slavery. You see, when we think slavery in this country, we think shackles, we think whips. There is a far more pervasive slavery. What does slavery mean? Slavery means when a person is forced to do or think or say something that they don't have a choice about. That's what slavery means. You can have chains or not. That's what slavery means. Slavery can be evil. Slavery can also be not purposefully evil, but very pervasive. So pervasive, in fact, so pervasive that the slaves wouldn't even know they're slaves. I have a word for it. I like to call it society. I like to call it society. You'll notice all of us are wearing what we say clothes. Nobody ever gave me a choice. Like, I never, I don't remember ever having been like, no, you have to put on a shirt today. I do remember some episodes like that. But, but the point is, like, all of the defaults, the most basic defaults in terms of how you present yourself, how you speak to people, what you do all day, what you're planning to do when you're 60, is all what society tells you to do. Like, if you were living in China, you would have a very different life plan. You know that. Your society essentially, is your master. Because it doesn't merely influence your thinking. It often defines your thinking. I probably should have sat down to think of a few excellent examples, but I think the point is so obvious that you can think of your own. If that's the case, let's go back to Egypt for a moment and let's re-understand the holidays. You're in Egypt. And what does God do? God crushes Egypt, but he doesn't crush them like a military power. He melts their gods. What does that mean, he melts their gods? All of the society, everything that is contrived in your society, because you understand your society is contrived. People made it up. For great reasons. I'm not saying they're evil. I'm not saying they're evil. I'm just saying it's man-made. It's contrived. And that's why we look back at the at the great fathers of 60 years ago or 200 years ago and we say they're awful. It's for the same reason, right? They contrived something and now we look at it and we're like, no, we want to flip the dials a little bit. Same kind of thing. The ultimate freedom is the understanding that you live in a farce. You live in the Truman Show. All of this stuff that you're told and again, I'm not saying people are lying to you. I'm saying this is the way we see things. This is not true. God melts the gods of Egypt. So if you read the Midrash, you're like, oh, yeah, I get it. You know, if someone had an idol, the idol melted. I don't think that's what it means. And I'm not saying that they didn't. I'm not saying that they didn't. I'm not saying that they did. Frankly, I don't care. I don't think that's the point. Because even if they did, it wouldn't matter. That's not the point. The point is that the shopping malls were visibly... Garbage! Garbage! The theater melted. 
The Jews saw that the whole thing is just a farce. Just a farce. That's freedom. When you realize that the world that you live in is not the world. It's a world that was contrived. That's freedom. Ultimate freedom. No, the problem is, though, it's a big problem because... Thank you, God, for freeing me from the shackles of the land of make-believe. Thank you. You know what the problem is now? Now what? (laughs) Now what? But what is real? What is real? You took me out of the fake. Thank you. I'll drink four cups. You took me out of the fake. But what's real? Hey, I got a good idea. How about we give them a Torah? How about we give them a Torah so that they can see what's real? How about we take them out of Egypt and then we give them a Torah? So we take them out of what's fake and we give them what's real. That's a good idea. That would make a lot of sense. That would make so much sense. Let's take them out of Egypt. Let's free them from societies which are contrived. You understand that Egypt is obviously quintessential. It's a quintessential example of culture. It's a predominant culture for thousands of years. Whatever. I enjoy him, so I don't need that for me. So you give him a Torah. Well, then why didn't you give him a Torah on the 16th day of Nisan? You took him out on the 15th, give him a Torah on the 16th. They're ready. I'll tell you why. Or at least I'll tell you why I think today. Because if you have this book on your shelf, It does not make you a good person. Some of the world's most awful people are and were, certainly were, scholars are more rare now, uh, certainly were really bad people. Before you receive a Torah, you have to work on something. That something is you. You have to work on yourself. To prepare yourself to accept the Torah. In fact, if systems in Torah are seven, which they always are, you now have to go through a system of systems. Seven sevens. Seven sevens. Of fixing yourself. If I have time at the end, I'll come back and I'll elaborate on this, on the seven sevens. But for now, it's a given. You will work on yourself. And at the end, you will receive the Torah. Uh huh. Ha ha ha. Well, if that's true, why doesn't the Torah say you start counting on the 16th day of Nisan? Well, that would miss the point. When you say, you ever wonder, why say, why are you saying to me, Count from the after day of the Shabbos. What is that telling you? I mean, that's not obvious what it's telling you. It's telling you, count because of yesterday. You'll count for yourself from the day after the Shabbos. Meaning the counting is a function of yesterday. Now that you have done yesterday, start this. I mean, it could be any more, like, loudly saying that. That's why it says twice. Because <laughs> that's the point. Now that you've experienced yesterday, start counting immediately. 
Why not give you a date? Because it's not a function of a day. It's a function of yesterday. So of course I'm going to say the 16th of Nisan. Like, do the 16th of Nisan. The 16th of Nisan is incidental. The 15th of Nisan is the issue. Now you're free, immediately start. Start your work. Now that you're out of society, start your work so you can be Makabal the Torah. Well, if that's true, then it would make sense why Shavuos doesn't have a date. And if that's true, it might make sense why Shavuos in the Torah doesn't say anywhere that you got the Torah on Shavuos. That's a head-scratcher, ain't it? Why doesn't the Torah... Right? Oh, why do we eat Pesach? Because I... Pesach, the Albate... Right? I went over. Great. Yeah, so I know. Pesach, Pasher, Pesach. God went over. Sukkot. Why Sukkot? Because the man yedu doros echem. He was Sukkot, so shaft, he's Israel. I sat the Jews in Sukkot. What did you do on Shavuos? The man yedu doros echem. Ki b'shavuos, no sati lehem es Torah. I made that up. It's not a Pesach. I didn't say that in the Torah. Doesn't say anywhere in the Torah that you got the Torah on Shavuos. You have to be a guy with a nifty calculator, not calculator, calendar, to know that you got the Torah on Shavuos because it hides it from you very well. Why? I mean, poor kid. Zman matan Torah seinu mikra kodesh. Doesn't say it. Why not? Well, because if it said it, you might think that you're celebrating Shavuos because God gave you a Torah on the sixth day of Sivan, which of course is not true. You were ready to be Makabal the Torah because you did seven cycles after the first day of Pesach. That's why. Which is why, of course, we call the holiday the holiday of Shavuot. It's the holiday of processes. It's the holiday of sevens. It's the holiday of weeks. It's not a day! It's so much not a day! <laughs> it's the 15th day. You celebrate the 49 days. And you get the Torah. But now check this out, because this is cool. So, if you're telling me that freedom is Hashem ripping the veil down so that you see that everything, when you look out the window, all of that is a lie. Again, not evil. I don't want you to think that society is evil. It's not. And you shouldn't remove yourself from society. You should just understand that, that society is superimposed upon the world. It's not the world. It's just superimposed on top of it. So God takes you out on Pesach. Great. But like we said, now you got a problem because I don't know what the real world is. Okay, great. You go through the processes. Now I'm going to give you a Torah. Now you know what to do. That's awesome. What's next? Sukkos. What do you do on Sukkos? You step out of the world and into God's world. That's literally what you're doing, isn't it? I mean, can, can, there, be a, can there be a stronger physical manifestation of walking out of the world and into a different world than, than you have to get out of your house and live in a diras arai? I don't think it's a very complex metaphor. Well, if that's true, then when they say that Shavuos is the end of Pesach, they're not kidding. At all. I mean, they're really not kidding. It starts on Pesach. Svartem lachem but you know what's really cool? You know what's really cool? The first day of Pesach, the 15th day, what do you eat? Matzah. In fact, in fact, any type of chametz is an iser curries. You die if you eat chametz. And then, on Shavuos, what do you do? You bring the shtei halechem. 
Isn't that weird? If Pesach is the beginning of Shavuos, then not only is it an issue of freedom, is it launching freedom, but take a look at the first carbon and the second carbon. You're talking about going from a time of matzah to a time of lechem. I wonder if that's meaningful. It's probably an accident. It's probably coincidence. You start with matzah and go to lechem. It's probably coincidence. Well, if Pesach, you ready to understand Chazal that you never understood? Ready? If Pesach, if Pesach is the day that God takes you out of society because you realized that any human input into the world is just made up, and that's represented by matzah because you don't add anything to matzah and you don't manipulate it at all, and you keep it as what it is, then what would be the <laughs> polar opposite of that? It would be lechem, right? And bread would be the polar opposite of that because we mentioned on Shavuos, now you know how to actually put human input into the world because you have a Torah, which would make sense as to why you brought lechem as opposed to matzah. When Chazal say that that the Yetzirah is the Seor Shebi Isa, yeah, right? You heard the schmooze. Everybody heard the schmooze. Chametz is your ego. And you're like, why? (laughs) Chametz is your ego. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. If I had a dollar for every time I heard a schmooze with chametz as your ego symbolism, what does it mean? I'll tell you exactly what it means. It means your input, your contrived input, i.e. your ego doesn't mean arrogance. It means ego. Your understanding of yourself. That's what I mean. It's not much your ego. Well, well, let's go back to the very, very beginning. Because we said something so strange. We said that Shavuos is the Rosh Hashanah for Peros Ha'ilan. Because we bring the Shte Halechem, which is wheat, and wheat is the Eitz Adas, so it's a tree. Why are you talking to me about the Eitz Adas? What did Adam do wrong? My way. My way. God says, this is the world. It's awesome. Enjoy it. And Adam's like, "Mm, I'm going to make my systems. My way. What would be a really cool punishment? What would be a really appropriate curse for someone who wants to create his own systems in the face of objective truth? How about How about that? Maybe that would be like a good curse. I don't know. Maybe we could curse his society such that it will never work. Ever. Ever. It, it so never works that it's, that it's taken for granted in the Matrix, right? Because well, we're going to go down to this rabbit hole for a second, right? So if you've seen the Matrix, so you have Morpheus, and he's, he's, he's been captured, and Agent Smith is talking to him, and just face out for 20 seconds if you don't know what this means. And, and he's saying, you know, we, we created computer programs of utopia for you people, but you all died. What, what does that mean? What does that scene mean? It means humans can't create utopia. Every system you make breaks down. It works for these people, and it doesn't work for these people, and then there's a war. 
If you don't believe me, read a book. It's true. Why? Why is that true? Because the problem's not the system. The problem is the human. Problem's not the system. You could have good communists and bad capitalists. You could have despotic democracies and wonderful monarchs. Monarchies. The person is the problem. People are corrupt. Because you want to do things your way and not the way that things actually are, well, what would be the tikkun for that? Oh, I got a great idea. How about Shavuos? How about getting out of the contrived system and getting actual truth? Wouldn't that fix it? Well, if it fixed it, you'd expect me to do something about bread, wouldn't you? Yes, you would. Good, we're going to put bread in there. You know what else you would expect? You would expect that the people, when they got the Torah, if that's the case, then why are they regular people? You would think that they would be like, oh, the Maharishon caught him. Oh. What do you think it means when Chazal say that the Jews, at the time of Man Torah, were like Adam Harishon before the sin? What do you think that means? What do you think that means? It means they were very holy. Okay, I can accept that, but I don't understand what those words mean in other words. I don't know words that define and explain those words. I don't know those words. What does it mean? They had a really close relationship with God. Okay? Doesn't really talk about Adam's relationship with God. So that seems like a weak analogy. <laughs> Maybe it means exactly what it says. They were exactly like all the Mauritian Kodama Fates. They have objective truth in front of them. They see everything in front of them, exactly things as they are. They see things as they are. You're like all the Mauritian Kodama And then what happens? They make an eagle. Boom! Chazruzu Amasan. Why? Because the eagle, the golden cow, and eating from the tree is the same thing. It's I'm going to do this, God. I love this religion I did. It's super cool. I'm going to do it my way. We're going to have a golden cow. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. We're going to have uh, flyers and balloons and streamers and acrobats. And God's like, no. There you go again. There you go again. But, but check this out. So so I was, I was telling this to my brother. Um, I often, and this is a good idea. If you ever want to say a thought that you haven't said out loud before, and you want to know if it's really stupid, you should call my brother. <laughs> Give you his number after this year. Um, and he's like, oh, I love that! You should talk about this medrash! And I'm like, that is so cool, where's that medrash? He told me where it is, I'm going to read it to you. So check this out. Listen to this medrash. Medrash says that I know this is like ooh, spooky, but it's cool. It says that that Chava, Chava, was actually impregnated by the snake. By the snake. And Cain is a result of the relationship between Chava and the snake. That just sounds weird. Listen to the Targumion of Semenuzio. So, she has Cain. But Tomer and she says, Konisi ish es Adonai. I have acquired man with God. Uh, it's hard to understand like what those words mean. So listen to what Targum Yonason says. He says, 
Adam yoda yas chavo itzei da hava chamedas lamalocho. Adam knew that Chava, his wife, was desirous of the angel. The angel meaning Satan, a.k.a. slithery dude. The snake, right? He's Satan. Vaidas, vileidas yas kain. And the snake knew her. And she gave birth to Kayan. If anyone ever watches this, you're going to see so many things like that. This is just weird. They're going to flip on back to NBA Finals. Um, but they're wrong. They're wrong. because, And I realize this now. This, I'm 37. When I was your age, I thought this was so stupid. I thought it was so stupid. And I was really stupid. And I'm still really stupid, but at least I know that now. It, it's not magic stuff, and it's not up in the air. It's telling you, it's telling you the, the, the essential truths of what's happening. That's what it's telling you. And sometimes the language can be a barrier. So I'll explain it in a minute. I'll repeat what we're saying. I'll explain what he's saying. I have acquired a man with an angel of God. If the Nachash, as the Gemara says, if the snake is the manifestation of Satan, of Satan, of the Yetzir Hara, because the Gemara says it's the same guy, then that means that Chava essentially had a child with the Yetzir Hara. The Yetzir Hara is not an actual snake, and the Yetzir Hara is not something that lives outside of you. It's a part of you. And with this part, with this part, she has Kayan. She has Kayan. Kenyan. That's the part, that's the part that goes away. That's the Zuhamo. When the Medrash says that she's filled with this negative force, it's not this pie in the sky spiritual reality. It means there are forces within you that are very identifiable, that pull you in certain directions, and they make you want to do things. Those forces make you want to do things. You want things your way. That's the satan in you. That's the satan in you that wants those things. And when they got, and therefore the curse for what Adam does, is that all of his systems, all of his lechem, will be awful. The earth won't work the way that it's supposed to. Why? Because you won't see it the way that it's supposed to. You won't see the world as what it is. Your systems will break. On Pesach, we get pulled out of the con- out of the contrived system. On Shavuos, we are back to Maimon Harsina. Sorry, back to Maimon Harsina. We're back to Gan Eden. We now understand how to make a world. A month later, we break it. We blow it up. If that's true... Let's examine our original questions for a moment. We said, you're picking a Rosh Hashanah because it's a Rosh Hashanah Ilanos. It's not even for trees. It's a Rosh Hashanah for the fruit of the tree, which is talking about a stalk of wheat. Yeah, yeah, because we're talking about wheat specifically. The reason we bring Shtei Halechem is because this is the end of Pesach. Pesach, no systems. No systems, Lechem Oni. Just things as they are, no frills. You go through seven cycles working on yourself. Now you can create systems based on Torah. You bring Shtei This is the day that you are judged on Peiro Sa'ilam. Why would there be a different day for judgment on Ilanos and Peiro Sa'ilam? It's a strange thing. You ever wonder about the difference between fruits and vegetables? Sometimes I think about weird things. Here's what I think. 
I'm not, like I said, I'm not a botanist. I'm not a horticulturist. I'm not a geologist. I don't know anything about anything. But the experientially, experientially, when I see a fruit and I see a vegetable, there's something that stands out as very different between them. Difference is each vegetable grows on its own. You pull the vegetable out. But a fruit grows on a tree. The tree is its own thing. There are trees that don't grow fruit. The tree is a tree. And trees give fruit sometimes. It's not the same as a vegetable. Peros are not the fruit. I'm sorry, peros are not the tree. They grow from the tree. Which is why children are analogs of peros. Fruits. Fruit of the loom! They're your fruits. So are your mice and your actions are also your fruits. It's the things that you do. This hopefully will give you a better understanding into what it means when it says that in the Medrash that the Tama eats Gitama Pri and there was a Klala because it didn't work. So you can ponder that later and see how that clicks. So on Shavuot specifically, now that we have worked on ourselves for those cycles, we can get this Torah. We can bring the Shtei We can actually make a system. That's why you're reading the Brachos and Klalos. Be very careful about your system. Because your system will go one of two ways. This way? Or that way? Up to you. Up to you. How it goes. You ever wonder? As I'll say, Ein ben chorein elamisha osek batorah. There's no free person other than someone who learns Torah. Really? Really? I don't know. I don't know. You never met a free man who didn't learn Torah? What do you think that means? Chorus al haluchos. I'll take richarus al acheros. What do you think that means? It means, I'll tell you, by the way, this is the difference, essentially. It is kamayosi ika bashuka. I mean, the mom is the whole thing. I don't, I don't mean this to, to put down other peoples. And to use this as a, as a cudgel to hit people is despicable. But I want to ponder for a moment the difference between a Jew and any other nation. Any other nation. Let's ponder the difference. And here's what I mean by that. And I don't think Jews are good and Bangladeshis are bad. That's just silly. Here's what I mean. They say, well, uh, we have, uh, it's our values. What are your values? Family. The Italians don't like family. Charity. Who doesn't like charity? No, seriously. You don't think the Muslims like charity? You don't? You don't think the Mormons love charity? You don't think Camila's Hasadim is good? You don't think everyone tells their kid to be polite? I mean good people. I don't mean bad people. You also have bad Jews. They're a bunch of jerks. But like good people. They teach their children to a good family. And you have to respect your spouse. And you have to raise good kids. And you should educate them. And you should give charity. And you should be nice. You should help old ladies across the street. Like how are you different? All of your values are the same. You say yeah but my, my rituals are different. Because I wear a star. And he wears a cross. And he wears a croissant. That is not the difference. No. No. No, no. You're wrong. 
Here's the difference. Everyone, everyone thinks it's good to give charity. No one thinks it's not good to give charity. How much charity? To who? When? Which of them come first? How much should I give this guy? And how should I do it? That's the difference. Everyone says, honor your parents. Cool. How much do I have to honor them? When am I not mechoyiv to honor them? What if they do this? What if you get in a situation where the honor and the dishonor are a little bit difficult to discern? That's the difference. That's the difference. You see, you know why, you know why, they, they, say, they say this all the time, and it's true. It's so true, but, but you're misunderstanding it. I mean, ho- hopefully you're not. You're not misunderstanding it. I'm being clear to be sharing. Some people misunderstand this. It says, it says that, you know, We toil in the Torah, we get reward, and they toil and they don't get reward. Why? Why is that true? Right? You know this, because the guy in the field, he works 18 hours a day, and guess what? If it doesn't grow, all the toil you put in, if at the end of the day you don't have a cup of pudding, what do you have? Nothing! Schwitz! You have nothing. But with Torah, if you toil in Torah, even if you don't get anything at the end, you get reward. What does that mean? It means Hashem gives you magic points. You get mitzvah points! Yay! It's monopoly money to use when you die. That's not what that means. What it means is that when you toil in Torah... It changes you. You are the product, not not the bananas. If you work and you plant bananas and the bananas don't grow, you're out of luck. If you work in Torah and you don't understand what the sugya was saying, you grew. Well, why did you grow? Why did you because you were thinking about it. So if you sit, you're on, you're on Miami Gardens Drive and you're at the stoplight and a person comes out with a cardboard box and it says, give me money for beer. Should I give him? Shouldn't I give him? Am I enabling? Am I not? Here's a dollar. Have a nice day. If you actually spend time thinking about everything, you will change. You will change. If you're on the Yumakawasfar, it is akin to what we call exercise. If you go to the gym and you pump iron, you get a reward. You grow muscles. That's not a reward. You don't go to the counter and buy muscles. If you exercise, it changes you. Yeah, exactly. Just like that. If you're Amel in Torah, it changes you. So your makabel sechar ain ben chorin el misha oseik batorah. Even if you don't understand the pshat, people live in a world which is contrived, so they can have wonderful lives, glamorous lives, luxurious lives, fun, exciting, famous lives. But they're slaves. 
Because all the things they want are the things that they were told to want. You know how I know? I'll tell you how I know. Because everyone wants the same stuff. That's how you know that you don't really want it. Babies don't all look at the same thing. You're taught what to want. Do you know why people spend so much money on advertising? Because you wouldn't know you needed it if you didn't see it. So they got to show you. So they'll spend billions of dollars showing you what you want. And then you want it. Tell me you're not enslaved by your society. Crazy. There is no Ben Horing unless your dealings are with Torah. Because if your dealings are with Torah, what are you thinking about? You're thinking, well, I got to do business. The real world does business. Remember, world superimposed upon the other world. There's business in this world, yeah? How do you do the business? What business should you be in and what business should you not be in? And how do you conduct your business? How do you not conduct your business? Torah. In the superimposed world, there are people. So there's interpersonal relationships. With whom do I speak and how do I speak and what do I say and what do I not say? Torah. The way you treat your spouse, the way you treat your kids, the way you treat yourself, the way you treat your friends, the way you treat your business partners, and the way you treat your waiter. Torah. That's the difference. Because if you don't have that, then what do you have? You have what we like to call values. What do values mean? Whatever you want. Everybody likes charity. How much charity? Decide. Four dollars. How nice! I'll walk her across the street. You're contriving the values also. You're deciding. Based on what? Nothing. Exactly. Even though you were taken out over there. Shavuos is quite literally the culmination of Pesach. It's not a joke. And that's why we read the Brachos and Klolos. And that's why there's no date. And that's why we bring the Shtei Alechem. And that's why they were on the level of Adam Marishan Kodam And that's why the Klol of Adam Marishan was B'zeis HaPechatoch HaLechem. And that's how they messed it up again when they did the Egel HaZahav. I'm not going to get into Parshas Bamidbar. That's too much. Let's stop. Let's take some questions and let's relax. Other questions? Yeah. <clears throat> Starting <clears throat> with how you ended, right? The mm-hmm. premise, the talk. You, you work on the Sugya and the Gemari, whether you understand it or not, it doesn't matter. You're going through the process, right? right? Just like whether you lift 100 pounds or 50 pounds, if you couldn't lift anything and you're starting, you're big. Right. But the prior thing, though, when leaving the shrine, going through the seven weeks, we quote-unquote, working on ourselves, taking real, coming to the realization that society or truth is not Egypt, it's not whatever. Right. How did they do that if they didn't get... You think that's what the Torah is about. It's, it's, it's the toiling that starts peeling the onion and looking at core and seeing what's real and what isn't. It, it seems if they're doing this without the Torah, you go, why do I need the Torah? Right. Okay. At the end of right. seven weeks. If you start to work on yourself without right. it for seven weeks. Right. Because it turns out, it turns out that every human is a prism. We mentioned before that the world that you see is not the world, it's the world that you see. So take a look at a prism. You shine light through it and then it refracts and it projects in all sorts of different directions. To the extent that the prism is clear, the light is stronger. To the extent that it's cloudier, it's weaker. Depending upon how many angles there are, it reflects in different ways. Refracts, I'm sorry, in different ways. Similarly, in order to accept the Torah, 
you have to work on your own traits. Remember, Derech Eretz, Kadma la Torah. The way of the world precedes the Torah. If you're not a person who can be Mikabal the Torah, you have the book on the shelf. You're an awful person with a checklist of laws to do. You need to work on yourself before you're Mikabalit. We mentioned once, I think, um, from my uncle, he said something unreal. I mean, this is like. So the Jews get out of Egypt, right? Where does God take them? Into a desert, right? Into a midbar. Takes them into a midbar. He takes them literally into a midaber. He takes them into a place of speech. Why? Well, because of the whole reason that you're taking them out of Egypt is because it's a contrived atmosphere, and now you're going to create something real, you have to do it in a place that has no context. What has no context? A midbar. A desert. In a desert, things are only what they are. They're not colored by anything else, right? So when you say friend in French, it's different than if you say friend in Soviet Russia, right? Comrade doesn't mean buddy. So every place has its own context for what things mean. In a desert, things mean what they mean. And that's why the Midbar is the Medab. And that's why it has to be there. You have to be wiped clean before you can get the Torah. You have to clean yourself. That's it? No questions? It was so clear. So, so <clears throat> during a time period in what is what is our main goal? Okay. I figured someone would bring me back to the seven sevens. So you recognize that seven sevens is not 49. I mean, it is 49, but the Torah could have said 49. The Torah didn't say 49. The Torah said seven sevens. Why would the Torah say seven sevens instead of saying 49? Take out your trusty abacus. Because 49 is merely the sum total of days that you have spent. There is a structure to the days that you're spending. The structure is in a pattern of seven. Which means, which means that you are going through the same process, working on yourself seven times. Which means, because this is so cool, because like when you think about it, again, what Chazal said, like it all starts to make sense. So you get up and you say, right, today's the, the 21st day of the Omer. Or 20 seconds, better example. Today's the 22nd day of the Omer. What do you say? Hayom, Shnayim Vesrim Yom. Today is two and 20 days. Shehem, Shlosha Shavuos, Viyom Echad. Three weeks, one day. Why not just say it's 22 days? I know 22 days is three weeks in a day. Because that's not the point. It's the same process again. So it's three processes and one time into the fourth process. That's the point. That's why you're Mimni Yome and Mimni Shule. It's like Mario Brothers. World 1 1, 1 2, 1 3, 2 1, 2 2, 2 3, 3 1, 3 2, 3 3. That's why. But why, why aren't there just like 49 different. That's not how the world is. If you're working on yourself, if you're working on yourself, right? So uh, you, do, uh, you do legs, you do quads, you do biceps, you do triceps, you do, right? You do this every day for a week. And the next week, you repeat the same process. The second time you do it is different than the first time. Because the second time is built on the first time. It's built upon the cumulative effect of all of the, the changes that you've done and development that you've had before. Which is why if you miss a day, you blow it up. Because it's built on yesterday. 
So if you miss day 22, you can't count day 23 with a bracha. That's why. That's what they mean. You say, well, is it one mitzvah or is it 49 mitzvahs? Machlokas. You're looking at it wrong. Is it one mitzvah or is it 49 mitzvahs? Yes. Yes. It's 49 individual days viewed through the prism of one cumulative idea of building yourself towards something. Again, I cannot stress enough the fact that you don't get the Torah, that Shavuos isn't the day you got the Torah. It's now that you have Shavuos, you can get the Torah. It's totally different. It's totally different. Ba'atzeres kuli alma modi deba'ina nami Shavuos is all personal growth. The whole concept of Shavuos is personal. So of course it's lachem. You're only makabel Torah to the extent you're makabel it. Again, otherwise, what is it? It's a book on the shelf. I have lots of books on the shelves. Ask Yehuda. I don't read most of them. So what if it's on the shelf? It's not supposed to be in the shelf. You're the shelf. It's supposed to be in you. Change you. That's the point. Sure, it's a pretty cool holiday. I want to mention something briefly. I'm not going to go into this, but I want to mention it briefly. What book do we read on Shavuos? Russ. Russ. And it's almost like in the book of Russ, you start with barley and end with wheat. And it's almost like it takes place in... Where does it take place? What's that name again? Um, oh, right. Beis Lechem. Right. Beis Lechem. I wonder, I wonder if that's connected. You should think about that over Shavuos. I think that's a pretty cool idea. That's enough. Have a great day.